Hey folks, this is Bobby and I'm with Andrew and Nate and due to our cancellation of our gathering this morning, we are um, going to take some time and just talk a little bit about um, the cross. We are in a series um, right now where we are looking at the cross of Christ as we um, are moving closer towards Easter. And um, today we are going to talk about the cross of Christ together as it relates to crisis, as it relates to um, evil, and uh, just even more specifically how uh, we're walking through this time right now, which is crazy and uncertain and probably unlike what most of us uh, have anything that we've ever seen. And so um, let me just pray for us and then um, and then we're going to get into this and we hope that this will be helpful and, and uh, that as we process this and, and chop this up together, that uh, it will be encouraging and, and life-giving uh, for you as you listen to it. Um, yeah, let me pray for us. <clears throat> Jesus, we come to you in this time of uncertainty in this time of fear in our world. It's hard to know who to believe, where danger lies. So we come to you and we acknowledge and we recognize our need for you and our dependence on you. You are the truth. You are our strong fortress in the face of evil. We acknowledge that there are many suffering and concern throughout the world and we lift up our voices to you on their behalf. We ask for your mercy. We come to you hungry for your presence and hungry for your rescue. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So, as I mentioned, we're in the series on the cross, uh, the Christian life. Last week we looked uh, in our Sunday morning gathering at the centrality of the cross, uh, that the cross is folly or foolishness to those who are perishing, but is the power of God for those whom he is saving. And the cross being central to everything that God uh, has done, is doing, and will do in this world, that what makes Jesus worthy of worship and worthy to uh, be the um, author and the sustainer of salvation and life is the very fact that he died, uh, giving his life uh, up on the cross so that uh, we and collectively this world can experience true life. And so um, uh, Pastor Andrew was prepared this morning to preach on evil and the cross, um, but given just the current uh, time and the, the the pandemic that we are experiencing right now, um, we're shifting gears to talk more specifically about the cross and how it relates to crisis. Um, Andrew, do you want to uh, share a little bit here about uh, evil and, and, and crisis and just what you've been thinking about this past week as you've prepared? Yeah, so I've got a definition of evil that I thought might be helpful for this conversation. 
um, evil being at its most fundamental, anything that is opposed to good, especially the capital G good from which all good gets its goodness, namely God himself. We see this in the scriptures in the contrast between darkness and light, death and life, defilement and purity and justice and justice, unrighteousness, righteousness, mourning and celebrating, crying and laughing, hunger and thirst and groaning as opposed to satisfaction. So evil is when things are not as they should be, things not as they are under the rule and reign of God, as we like to say at Soma. We get a picture of this with John's revelation of the New Jerusalem uh, from Revelation 21 and 22. In 21.4, he says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And then in verse 6, To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. And in 27, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. So this is John speaking about what he sees of, of the new Jerusalem that Jesus will be bringing. And inside the new Jerusalem, we see there are no tears, there's no death, no mourning, no crying, no pain, no former things, no thirst. We see that there's a heritage and a father God. And we see those who are written in the book of life. And shut outside the New Jerusalem, we see the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, unclean things, anyone who does what is detestable or false. So a crisis then is a concentrated dose of evil. So we see bits of heaven and bits of evil in our day-to-day -day lives. But on the whole, in America at least, it's pretty easy to go through our day and not think about much about either. In a crisis, though, we're confronted face-to-face -face with both. We see the worst of things not being the way they're meant to be. But from that place of groaning, we also have a deeper longing for things to be made right. I think there's a lot of really good thoughts there, Andrew, and that's really on point, I think, with what a lot of us are experiencing right now on a daily basis, that our lives have been so insulated from evil, not in the moral sense. We all come up against people who do things that are wrong. We're, we're all sinners. We all experience that sense of moral evil. But this sense of, like, the world is broken, <laughs> level evil we're pretty well insulated from that on a daily basis, whereas folks around the world experience it much more frequently. And it's really been brought home for us in a powerful way this past week. And I think a lot of people coming face to face with that, that sense of evil are left feeling like, oh, I don't even know what to do or how to respond or, you know, what God has to do with this or how, how do we even act when, our, our normal answers for things like, you know, go gather together as a church and be together have, have been is suspended by, by the governor. And I think that creates a lot of confusion and fear for folks. Yeah. Yeah. And if you've watched the news at all this week, if you've listened to the radio or podcast, you're probably pretty familiar with some of the different, um, uh, the different facts about this, 
pandemic and and this virus and 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 what's going on um and i think sometimes um you know we can keep these things kind of in the 30,000 foot big picture problems but um what what are some of the just the specific impacts that our community is feeling from this or will feel from this and also even more specifically what are some things that people in our own church body are experiencing and going through as a result of this crisis yeah i've i've essentially uh just as i've thought about it and prepared for this conversation basically just made a list of the things that i've thought about if you guys have things to add to this by all means um i divided it up into two sections first the most the most local to us namely the impact on our church body and then second the impact more broadly to our community that we might be seeing now or be seeing in the in the near future. Uh, so first, impact on our church body. There is anxiety, anxiety over childcare because of the school closings. How we're going to get childcare covered that we you know don't plan for and don't have budgeted. Um, anxiety over meals due to school closings. I know everybody's seen the the Facebook posts about uh, that's great that kids have four weeks off of school, but what about the kids who depend on school yeah which is a school system like pike is a a very high percentage of kids getting their primary meals from the school uh there's anxiety over loss of income from especially from uh folks that work hourly jobs or don't have the uh pto that a lot of us have mm-hmm. um, there's anxiety over the vulnerable folks in our population who are uh, much more at risk uh, to this virus uh, I know Tamise has friends that are traveling in Europe looking to explore possible ministry opportunities. Uh, at least as of a few days ago, they were stranded there and anxious about uh, getting back home to reconnect with their kids. One of my good friends, um, Robert Soto, is a pastor in uh, McAllen, Texas, and is a leap on uh, Apache, does Native American dances, mm-hmm. travels around the world preaching mm-hmm. the gospel. He and his uh, he and his uh, uh, brother Homer trapped in the Czech Republic right now, you know, like there's just a lot of folks that are displaced and, and can't make their way back. Yeah. So there's, there's a lot of anxiety uh, for one. I think there is the potential. I not, haven't necessarily heard uh, folks coming with questions like this, but the potential uh, for this, I think Nate, to your point about, we're not used to seeing things like this, uh, in such concentrated doses in our day-to-day life. And so even even more um, big questions like the problem of evil, um, prayers going unanswered, starting to stir doubts in people's hearts. Um, I could see the potential for divisions because of the politicalization of all of this. Um, Folks thinking this is overblown or uh, folks thinking we're not taking this seriously enough and that's starting to drive people apart. One of the questions I've gotten from folks too is about the long-term economic impact mm-hmm. of this, I think there's a sense in which while the economy on the surface was really rolling and sort of roaring, there's a lot of, if you listen to economists, there was some instability and maybe some lack of good fundamentals in that economy. It was very very surface, very driven by the stock mm-hmm. market, which took a huge bath. So uh, especially the closer you are to retirement, you may have seen your entire yeah next several years of your future radically change in the last week. And if you're younger and your employment is less stable, 
now an economic downturn, even aside from just the next couple months, right? Like anybody who's working hourly jobs, who's working in any kind of entertainment industry, those folks are really scared because mm -hmm. they may have face layoffs. But for folks that, for the, all the rest of us, you know, if this creates an economic downturn, I mean, that's, that's a very, this is just really real visceral things <laughs> that I know folks are afraid of. And, you know, and I know we all have our own fears too. You know, we all uh, have parents in risk ages. You know, I know we're very concerned about Deb's parents. Deb's dad has cancer, is very ill. Um, you know, Otter Manahan's had, had uh, pneumonia for the last couple of weeks, you know. So we have these people that we love and, you know, our whole world. And suddenly, you know, for all of us, we're all feeling that, that sense of like, oh my gosh, this this could really be, this could really go badly. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think it's, it's any small thing that just even our rhythm of uh, corporate worship yes. is being disrupted. Um, I think it's easy uh, during these times to kind of poo poo some of the normal things that we do and talk about, you know, our first world problems and different things like that. But, you know, in a very real sense, uh, one of the things that we believe is that, you know, we're not just spiritual people walking around, but that we're embodied spirits, that what we do in our bodies matters. Um, and that we don't have just a bodily realm that we operate in and then a spiritual realm and one is more important than the other, but that they are designed to work together and that our personhood uh, needs uh, and, and really benefits from these bodily physical rhythms that we have. And so um, I was <clears throat> several weeks ago talking with a brother who uh, is from China uh, and he was just sharing, you know, when this first started happening that he was in contact with uh, many of his friends in China who were at that point being quarantined, not allowed out of their homes. They weren't allowed to obviously uh, get together and meet together and that that was really having just a spiritual, emotional, psychological effect um, on them. And, you know, he's here, uh, in Indianapolis, he's pastoring a church. Um, and at the same time, you know, he was having to get on Skype or zoom or, or whatever. And, and, uh, you know, conducting little services for people back in China who weren't able to gather for worship and, and beginning to minister to them in those ways. And this was, you know, a month ago, and uh, I, you know, at that point, listening to that, I'm thinking like, wow, that's that's out of the ordinary. That's not something that I've ever had to think about. And now here we are. Um, and so, you know, these are important things. These these are things that that should unnerve us. They should be upsetting, upsetting to us when our way of life is disrupted. Um, it forces us into a place where um, we have to begin to take stock and we begin to see the things that we take for granted that actually really, really matter. So when, you know, if we're talking here, you know, hyper-local in our, in our church body, um, what do, what do people need to hear from us as pastors? Like what are the ways in which we uh, want to lead out on this and, and continue to shepherd our people in the coming days and weeks? Well, I think one of the things that we should at least acknowledge or like talk about is the fact that, yeah, we canceled our Sunday morning gatherings and it wasn't, well, it's out of respect for what Governor Holcomb asked, 
it isn't that the government said stop meeting and we're like, okay, well, I guess we're not going to meet anymore as a church because obviously that is one of the core things uh, that the scripture says, right? Don't forsake the gathering together mm -hmm. of yourselves. And we've made a conscious choice to temporarily suspend those gatherings, not out of fear for government reprisal or not because um, the government is somehow clamping down on worship and just bringing these things out because that would be a way I've seen some folks sort of take this like, <clears throat> but more a recognition that church, we say this all the time, right? Church is not our Sunday gathering. The end all and be all of what we do is not that we gather on Sunday mornings. Mm -hmm. Church is the network of connected believers. That's what our church is. And that doesn't get canceled. That doesn't get called off. That doesn't get put on pause. That is still real and active. And yeah, so I, Bobby, I'd be interested to just hear any thoughts from you as to why, uh, why, why canceling the gathering was the decision that was made. Yeah. Um, well, I agree with everything you've just said there. It wasn't, uh, it, it wasn't for those reasons. Um, it also just, it wasn't out of a spirit of fear or a spirit of self-protection, um, you know, when you look across, <coughs> excuse me, when you look across our SOMA congregations, you know, our demographic m more than not represents people who probably aren't going to be really, you know, physically affected uh, by this virus. You know, we have a, a younger church. We have uh, a, a generally healthy church. Um, I think the reasons that we're taking these precautions and, and making these decisions uh, is because we want to demonstrate love as people who are strong, as people who are healthy. Um, <clears throat> we have an opportunity to look out for those who are weak and those who are vulnerable. And, you know, if, if, <clears throat> Uh, greater minds than 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 ours. Medical experts are telling us that hey, you know, it's not good to meet in these larger groups um, for the for for the foreseeable future out of um, respect for our hospital and healthcare system uh, to uh, slow the rate of infection um, and not as to overwhelm. Um, our facilities, then we're going to do that because uh, we want to be responsible and we want to love those who are vulnerable, um, who are susceptible, um, and and we want to you know do what we can um, to care for them. Uh, so yeah, not not a spirit of fear, not a spirit of self protection, but actually this is a way the church can lead out and be res be a responsible um, community um, in our uh, in our society. I don't know if you guys have seen the articles uh, coming out from the doctors in Italy that are writing kind of, you know, uh, retrospectively. It, it doesn't have to be the way it was in Italy. And here are some of the things that we're seeing on the ground in the hospitals here that anesthesiologists breaking down in the hallways because they're having to make decisions as to who to care for um, and who not to care for and saying to the rest of the watching world, it doesn't have to be that way. Take these preventative measures these are real people really impacted and we're, we're having to make really hard decisions. I mean, they're even putting out uh, anesthesiologists in Italy have put out some additional ethical guidance 
because to the point earlier, this isn't stuff we've got the luxury of not having to think about this stuff every day. Um, and they got smacked in the face with it and are calling out to the rest of the world. Take this seriously. You know, one of the things that uh, it's a little bit of a trope, but one of the things that people always talk about how is that in Chinese, the word for crisis is the combination of the word for threat and opportunity. And I think we see the threat very, very clearly, right? We all, we're all sort of feeling it. We all have those ways that it's impacting us. But I think it's important to realize that this is also an opportunity for the body of Christ to um, come together, to be brave in the face of scary times where we can offer <laughs> calm, rational hope. Rational, not just in the sense of being people who are rightly informed, not listening to crazy conspiracy theories, not buying every, you know, this was engineered in a lab by, uh, by Martian scientists to uh, disrupt the election or whatever, you know, not being those people, but being people who listen to good sources of information, but also people who have a rational hope based on the cross of Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. because the world will tell us that, Spending a day fasting and praying is the illusion of action, right? Like the truth is the illusion of action is when you go out and you buy 50 million rolls of toilet paper <laughs> because you think it makes you feel better, right? Like those are the things, the, the hoarding activities, the, the, the radical isolation, a lot of these things are things people do because they want to feel like they have control. But as believers in Jesus Christ who are saved by his blood, who trust in him— we recognize that we have rational hope, and that rational hope is based on the fact that Jesus Christ conquered our enemy death. Mm -hmm. And when we present to the world both help and calm, and we behave in an orderly, peaceful way, we're announcing to the world that, yeah, we, will, we may have losses, like there's there's a very good chance within the broad at least within the broader SOMA community, if you just look at it statistically, there's probably, you know, just shy of a thousand of us around the city. Like we're there's 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 a good chance we're gonna lose somebody in this. And that's really scary. And that's that will be sad and we will mourn that. Um we're gonna do everything we can to prevent that from happening. But those things happen, but that doesn't kill our hope. That doesn't that doesn't derail us and that we can be brave in, in the face of these times. Yeah. I think of <clears throat> how many times throughout the scriptures are pe the people of God assured that God is in control. And so don't fear, don't be anxious. Mm -hmm. You know, I think of Jesus's words to his disciples, you know, on the eve of his uh, de uh, crucifixion and, and, uh, you know, he's in he's with these men that he's just told, hey, I'm going away. You're not going to see me. You don't know what's going on. And he says in this world, you're going to have tribulation, but take heart because I have overcome the world. And I think that <clears throat> that that is something where, you know, to your point, Nate, it's not a blind hope. It's not just a fanciful um, uh, confidence, but it's it's rooted in the fact that the cross of Christ is the great victory of God and that Jesus is more powerful than death. He's more powerful 
than yeah. uh, anything that we face. And so we don't have to live in anxiety and fear. And, you know, I mean, anxiety is imagining the future without Jesus in it. Amen. And I think that that is something as we think about tomorrow, Jesus Christ is will be the same tomorrow that he is today that he was yesterday yep. and that he's going to be next week and next month. And, you know, God's not asleep at the wheel mm-hmm. at this thing. And so that gives us that faith. And so my question to you all is, you know, as uh, to your point, Nate, what does it look like for us as Soma Northwest, as followers of Jesus to move out into our community and to be people of hope, people of resiliency, people who don't buckle under the fear, people who in line with the church throughout thousands of years and in, in pandemics and plagues, the church has been there. The church has waded into these things to offer hope and to and not just speaking words of hope, but actually being hands and feet that that are there. Uh, providing and 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 stepping in with people who are experiencing great need. What does it look like for us uh, in the coming days and weeks to do that? Well, I think the first thing it means is that we focus ourselves on the cross, as Paul said. I want, yeah, I want to know Christ and and Him crucified, sharing in the fellowship of His sufferings. Um, Andrew, I know you have some some thoughts on on what does that look like. How do we how do we make a crucified Christ central in, in a time where there's so much stuff that we don't know, right? There's so many things we don't know. How do we how do we make that a central thing that we're doing? Yeah, I think that's that's the most fundamental and perhaps practical theological question that is going through people's minds right now is around the sovereignty of God in the face of evil, in the face of things we don't understand and, um, and can't foresee your process. And on on the cross we see the the most clear display of god's sovereignty um than just about anywhere else if you look at uh jesus words in john 10:17 he says uh talking about his own life no one takes it from me but i lay it down of my own accord i have authority to lay it down and i have authority to take it up again and then in luke 22:42 praying in the in the garden uh, as he's on his way to the cross in agony Jesus prays father take this cup from me and then in John 18 we see him say to Peter uh, after Peter responds with violence and um, Jesus says Peter put your sword in its sheath shall I not drink the cup that the father has given me so with regards to God's sovereignty Jesus Jesus wouldn't have gone to the cross if it wasn't the will of the Father. He came to obey the will of the Father, and the will of the Father was to send his son to the cross. Um, Furthermore, the Father would not have sent his son to the cross if there had been a better way or a way that would have led to greater good. Uh, God did it this way, the hard way, because the condescension, the incarnation, the crucifixion, the condemnation, the burial and resurrection of Jesus— most perfectly and completely put on display the glory of God for the good of his people. The horror of the cross, the greatest evil of all time, was the will of the Father. And we see that in Isaiah, that it was the will of the Father uh, to bruise his son. So I I think with regards to um, starting from foundational theological truths, the cross of Christ is the greatest display of the sovereignty of God. We can be sure that God's in control in Bobby's words, not asleep at the wheel in the midst of this crisis, um, because we see his sovereign hand in the crucifixion of his son. 
I think that then provides clearly the basis and the courage that we have to be proactively helping others during this time at a time where everybody else is clearing off the shelves. We're clearing out our pantries. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's a, there's a lot of different ways, um, to, to get involved and help. We're still trying to organize some of those because a lot of them are still materializing. Um, we've, we're looking into more ways to partner with, uh, the group, uh, the educational group in Pike Township that's providing meals to school children. Uh, one of one of our friends in the community uh, has reached out to organize uh, volunteers to uh, buddy up and take meals or supplies to uh, elderly folks in the community who, you know, can't get out. Which you know is really beautiful. As we said, we've got our own family members. I think the primary thing that we have to do, like as a baseline, right, is we have to take care of each other. We have to give each other the grace both to reach out and ask for help when we need it and also to respond to that. The thing is, this has the potential both in terms of the initial outbreak, but also in terms of, as we talked about, the economic ramifications that may come down the line. This 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 has the opportunity, the chance to wipe out an individual. And if you're alone in the world and you don't have a support structure, if you don't have people taking care of you and watching your back, this is a terrifying time. But for us who are part of this community, we're going to be okay. We're going to protect each other. We're going to cover for each other. Your family's going to be okay. My family's going to be okay. Because collectively, this isn't going to take all of us down, right? Like someone in our community, community. Someone in our family may get hit by this in a devastating way. We're prepared for that. We, if, if any people should know about devastation, it, it should be us at this point. We're going to have to step in and take care of each other. So one of the things that people can continue to do is reach out. I was so blessed. It's somebody reach out, uh, asking about, uh, one of the, one of the, um, older couples in our church, just like, Hey, what can I do for them? How can I encourage them? And I was like, call them up and ask them what they need. Like, like be, be direct with each other at a time in which we're, we're giving each other space. We're, we're practicing social distance to some degree or another. Uh, Take the extra effort to call each other, to be engaged, to ask for help. And to know you can always call uh, Bobby, Andrew, or I, you can always call us and we'll make sure that you get help because people are constantly asking, what can I do? Which is really exciting. It's exciting to see so many people being like, no, you know, uh, I'm not, you know, uh, I'm not going to sit by and just do nothing. I want to see good done. I want to see this as an opportunity for ultimately for the gospel to go Mm -hmm. out because everything we do, we don't do it because we're nice people. We don't do it because it's, good for our community. We do it because of the cross. We love because he first loved us. And Mm -hmm. this is an opportunity to show everybody that. Hmm. Yeah. Andrew, take us home here. What, uh, how how should we wrap this up? What, what, where should we go from here? When I was, when I was preparing to teach, uh, on evil, the cross and evil, I was spending a lot of time in Colossians. And one of the things that struck me is, Colossians 3 uh, is all about day-to-day stuff. It's not about superhero crisis mode stuff. And I think 
it, it has been encouraging to see that the response to this crisis has been overwhelmingly positive. Um, but I, I just want to encourage us to, as, as the dust settles in this, because it will eventually settle, uh, we don't know when or how long this is going to take or, you know, how bad it's going to get before it starts getting better. But when the dust starts to settle and we start to move on, um, let's not lose this sense of wartime mentality that we've got right now that um, it's almost in some sense easier to press in and to really serve each other and serve our community in radical ways now because it's kind of the water we swim in right now that um, everyone around us is in crisis mode. And so um, we're seeing lots of people just just jump in and let's not lose that that wartime mentality mm -hmm. as the dust settles. Uh, like I said, Colossians 3 is a good place to go to see um, that the way we, we the way we respond is in really practical day to day, uh, you know, interactions with each other, with our families. Um, and then the second thing I would say is, uh, again, from Colossians to fix our mind on things that are in heaven and not things that are on on the earth. Um, all the good that we long for in the midst of suffering, in the midst of crisis, in the midst of evil, all the good that we long to see happen finds its culmination in Christ. The picture of the new Jerusalem in Revelation is a picture of Jesus on the throne with worshipers from every tribe and tongue and nation gathered around him and no accursed thing is there. And so as we move past this crisis or move deeper into it, um, let's fix our minds on the, on the things that are above, knowing that Jesus will one day be on the throne and there will be no more suffering and no more evil, no more crises to respond to, but only worship in good. So as we wrap this up, um, a few things I want to encourage you who are listening to, to do. Um, the first is um, you may be experiencing a number of different emotions right now, and that's okay. Um, don't push them down, but express them. You know, what, what are, are your biggest fears um, as you think about the next four to six weeks? What are the things that you're scared about, that you're feeling anxiety about? Just name those, call those things out, take those things before the Lord, um, give those to him and ask for peace, ask for comfort, um, put those, lay those at his feet. Um, also, what, what are your hopes? You know, what, where are the things that, um, uh, what, what is God stirring up in you uh, about how you should live during this time? You know, who are the people that God is putting on your heart to check in with, to serve, to to be a <clears throat> excuse me, to be a buddy to? Um, what are some ways at your workplace uh, that you can be a person of peace and and meet needs there? How can you uh, lead out in your neighborhood um, and and provide some stability there and check in with people there? What what are the th specific things that God is laying on your heart? Um, during this, how you can be the hands and feet of Jesus uh, moving forward. And also, like, we we need your all's help. Uh, we're leaning heavily on those healthcare professionals who are in our church body um, to, to help us think rightly about how to lead our church through this and how to be forward thinking um, and, and not be caught off guard as best that we can. But, you know, if there are ways in which you're like, hey, we need to think about this, or here's an opportunity that we need to step into as a church, we need to hear that from you. Um, we're all in this together. Um, and Andrew and Nate and I have a very limited scope of, uh, of uh, uh, understanding. And so 
uh, and networks. And so we need your help as well. Um, I just want to leave you with, with these words. I was reading this um, a few days ago in Psalm chapter 90, uh, the words of Moses, where he, he asked God to, to teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Um, and so in this time when our mortality is on full display, uh, when our lack of control is right in front of our faces, um, this is a time where the Lord is teaching us to number our days, mm. teaching us that we are frail uh, human beings and that we need a sovereign God, a God who is victorious, a God who laid down his life um, so that we could have life. We need him in this moment to teach us to be wise, to be people of the cross, to be people who display what life with God under the rule of God truly looks like in a moment of chaos and crisis. We love you. We're praying for you. Uh, and we ask God's blessing on you. Amen.